You're listening to AIB Market Talk with our latest financial market update. Hello and welcome to our weekly AIB Market Update on Tuesday the 23rd of June. I'm Jane Kavanagh from Corporate Treasury and I'm joined this week by AIB's Chief Economist Oliver Mangan to discuss another good week in financial markets. Ali, we might look back before we look forward. Last week threw us both teasers and enigmas. Equities were up, then down, risk was on, risk was off. And with data released a surprising to the upside, there was a sense, as your weekly market brief put it, that globally the empire was striking back. Ali? Yeah, indeed. Markets have been quite volatile in the last two or three weeks. I mean, they've had a very strong rally since mid-March, and then we saw them fall back. I mean, there's concerns about the pace of recovery, talk of a second wave of the virus, etc. But what came through in the past week was stronger than expected data particularly in regard to retail spending, consumer spending, and that's what drives activity in most economies. And we had data for May released in places like the US, the UK, Australia, etc. And uniformly, the data were much stronger than expected. Taking the UK, sales rose by 12% in May, with non-food sales up by nearly 24%, even though you know a lot of non-essential retailers did not open up until the middle of June. If you look at Australia, sales surged by over 16% in May. So they nearly fully reversed their decline in April and it left them up over 5% on a year-on-year basis. And in the US, again, it's the same story. Total retail sales rebounded by 80%. I mean, that was doubled expectations. And also there was broad-based strength in the spending across a lot of sectors. And this comes on top of an unexpected rise in employment in the non-farm payrolls in May in the US. And we're also seeing signs of a rebound in house building activity. Rates, mortgage rates have fallen to very low levels in the US and there's been a surge of mortgage applications. So that's driving a revival in house building activity, etc. And finally, last week, we had a survey that the markets followed closely for June. It's called the Philly Fed survey. And it's a leading indicator of manufacturing activity. And that, again, was you know far stronger than expected. It had fallen to very negative levels. It was minus 43 in May, but it rose to plus 27.5 in June. So there's a broad range of indicators there suggesting that economies are bouncing back much more quickly than anticipated. Now, it doesn't mean that will last, but it was enough, if you like, to put some more air back into the balloon or into the sales or markets. So they had a good week last week. Now, they are at elevated levels, and I think to move on from here, they'll require further good economic data. I mean, there are real concerns that we're seeing a rapid rise in new cases in the US in terms of the virus, new outbreak in Germany, in particular new outbreak in, in China, and also very high figures coming through for some big economies like Brazil and India. So we're not out of this by any stretch of the imagination, but it is encouraging to see a broad-based bounce back in consumer spending across a range of economies. So hopefully in Ireland's case, obviously the restrictions have been eased over the course of June and next mo- or sorry, next Monday, a lot of the restrictions are gone by then. So hopefully we'll see, uh, as I'll square, a good bounce back in consumer spending, if not fully captured in the June figures, hopefully in the July figures. Great, Ollie. Signs of green shoots then, but still a lot of uncertainty out there. Yeah, and I think the Bank of England met last week. That was an interesting meeting because there had been talk about negative interest rates. Well, that seems to have just gone up in a puff of smoke. In fact, the Bank of England chief economist noted that the recovery in UK demand and output was occurring sooner and materially faster. That's a direct quote that the bank had previously expected. 
And whereas there were still risks to the downside, the Bank of England felt that the risks were more balanced than when they met in early May. So what the Bank of England did was it didn't move on rates at all. There was no talk of moving rates into negative territory. But it did, as it expected, increase the size of its bond purchase program, its QE program. You know, the, the additional purchases were due to expire in July if it hadn't moved. So obviously central banks are keeping policy very, very accommodative. So it increased the size of its QE program as expected by 100 billion. But interestingly, that the bank's chief economist, given what he's seen in the economic data, voted against actually increasing or expanding QE and wanted to keep policy on hold. And he was one of the guys who six weeks ago was talking about the need maybe to move rates to negative territory. So even within the Bank of England, policy remains accommodative, they've done further loosening, but they are acknowledging that the data are coming in ahead of ex- expectations and maybe their forecast has been too negative, but they still went ahead and, and expanded QE even further. Even though the data are coming in ahead of expectations, the, the, the central banks and indeed governments know that continued stimulus will be required in economies to bed this recovery down to ensure it's sustained over the second half of the year. And there will be sectors that will lag. And we think of hospitality in particular, travel, life entertainment. So it's this recovery is not going to lift all boats uh, at the same time. And there are still downside risks there because that virus is still very much alive, as I say, second waves appearing and slow to abate in other countries. So policy will need to remain stimulatory to anchor this recovery and ensure we get a strong recovery in the second half of the year. I say it's a good start, but policy needs to remain accommodative to sustain the recovery in economic activity. Thanks, Ali. I'll come back to Sterling and its reaction to the Bank of England last week shortly. But leaning on what you were saying, survey data looks to the order of the week with PMI releases due again. Now, April, as we expect, to post woeful numbers. And while we expect them to post below 50 again, we should still see an improvement from AOLI, do you think? We will say that the, these are PMI surveys for the services and manufacturing sectors of the economy. And we get data this week, including today, for the Eurozone, the US, the UK economies. Economists really like this data because it's right up to date. We get June data and it's got a very good track record in terms of, of as a leading indicator of activity. So these indices fell to very low levels in April and remain very low in May. But there's an expectation that they will bounce up in June. Now, the forecast is for them to rise up to just above 40. Uh, 50 will be the, the level you get to where you're back into expansion territory. Anything below 50 is contracting activity. I think there might be upside in terms of the data, given what we've seen in retail sales. The trend has been that the economies are recovering maybe a bit quicker than anticipated. So I'd say these are cautious forecasts, which are absolutely right. There's a broad range of survey data out this week for June, and markets will be looking at that very closely to see signs that this recovery in economic activity is spreading out from retail spending into manufacturing activity, into the broader service sector of economies, and we'll take their cue from that. Now, as I say, stock markets are at elevated levels, so they probably will need to see good data to sustain those certain levels. And I would say there's probably the balance of risk the forecast is on the upside, given what we saw last week. So, yeah, we'll be watching those data very carefully over the next couple of days. Good news, Ali. Uh, just bringing it back to the currencies then, while the mute music that you talked about out of the UK was better than what we'd expected last week, Sterling didn't quite agree and finished the week over 90p. Is it possible that we might see a test again of the high 94s we saw in March? I, I don't think so. You are right. It was a bit surprising to see that what's been dragging Sterling down in the last couple of months is one, this talk in the UK about a move to negative rates. And secondly, 
growing concerns at the lack of progress in the Brexit talks and a rising risk from the market's point of view that we might end up with no deal at the end of the year and effectively a hard Brexit, the UK movement to trade on WTO rules to involve tariffs from the start of next year. But on both fronts, we've had good news that should have supported sterling. I mean, the Bank of England seems to have dropped this talk about negative rates. It's taken, I suppose, comfort from the, the pace of recovery in UK spending. And then we've actually had seen, we have seen some progress in the, in the talks between the UK and the EU. And I suppose while you can't say there's been concrete progress, we have seen both sides make concessions and climb down from the top of the hill a bit. And Boris Johnson meeting senior EU leaders, but Macron, but also the Charles Michel, who's the um, head of the Council of Ministers. He met the head of the European Commission. And all around, the, the mood music has improved. And I talk about redoubling efforts to make good progress in July and probably move to conclude a deal in September, October. And I think the broad outlines of a deal are beginning to emerge. It won't be an all-encompassing trade deal, but it should avoid tariffs. It should avoid quotas. And it may be something to build on in coming years. So there's increasing optimism that we will get a, some form of limited trade deal agreed in the autumn. But that hasn't really supported sterling. So as you say, the euro has risen above 90p. On Monday, it was trading around 90.5p. I'd say you know, sterling may recover from these sort of levels rather than the euro heading towards 94. Sterling may well drop back towards, euro may well drop back towards 88, 89p. For, for those two reasons and also that better than expected data out of the UK because there were concerns at the way I suppose the number of cases in the UK were high in terms of, of the coronavirus etc and that, that might delay the reopening of the economy but um, that's not actually coming through in the data so sterling has been soft this year good grounds for that it's lost ground against the dollar it's got lost ground against the euro but I sort of think it might find a floor around here now and I'd be surprised if the euro continue to make ground against sterling, in fact, I think it might be the other way around. We may see the euro drop back below the the, um, the 90p level. As regards the dollar, it softened in late second half of May, early part of June, but actually it's regained a bit of ground since, and it was up at 114 against, sorry, the euro is up around 114 against the dollar. It's dropped back up to around 112. That might be reflecting some concerns that the virus has proven more persistent than had been expected. We're seeing second waves in China, in the US, reemergence of a large number of cases in parts of Germany. And, you know, cases, while they've fallen to lower levels, we're still seeing relatively high numbers of new cases in Europe, nothing like we saw in the earlier spring. So we know the dollar and the yen are currencies that benefit kinds of uncertainty. And I say there's still a lot of uncertainty out there about the, the economy of the second half of the year, the course of the virus. So that, and also stock markets are high levels. So the, that air of caution is still there and might be supporting the dollar. Now, the bottom line though here is the big picture is the euro and the dollar remain within a very, very narrow trading range where they've been since October 2019. 107 to 115 has contained all the action in that pair for that period of time, which is, it's, it's a very long period of time to see such a narrow trading range in place. And 112, we're down near the heart of that trading range. So I said it on, on these calls over the last number of weeks, there's no real sign that currencies are going to break out of major tra trading ranges. And that certainly remains the case for the dollar-euro exchange rate. It got up to 114, it's back down to 112, coming into that 111, 112, the heart of that 107, 115 trading range. And no sign that's going to break out at any time soon. And as I say, with regard to sterling, 
I don't think it'll weaken much further from here. The data have been good in the UK. The Bank of England's backed away from negative rates. And we're beginning to see a much, much more positive sounding out of the trade talks between the UK and the EU. So I don't think Sterling's going to sit much further from here. Ollie, that's great. Many thanks again for the update. And a big thanks to all our listeners for joining us on this week's podcast. For those customers impacted by the pandemic, you can find details of AIB support packages at www.aib.ie forward slash COVID-19. And to stay up to date with the latest market developments, please subscribe to AIB's Market Talk on the podcast apps for iOS or Android. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of AIB Market Talk. Allied Irish Bank's PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. First Trust Bank is a trademark of AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. Allied Irish Bank GB and Allied Irish Bank GB Savings Direct are trademarks used under licence by AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.